to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my terrible relative, Steve Gutenberg lookalike, uh, mom coat wearing. Alex <laughs> Dan Dino. I just made you a medley of all the worst things in the movie. I See definitely I can't do a Holly Hunter accent, so, you know. <laughs> I actually used to work at Fox Television, and we did her show Saving Grace. So Holly Hunter's voice is just like burned into my dark psyche at the worst moments. I just hear, "Hey, what's going on, y'all?" <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for joining the show, guys. We've seen a lot of influx lately, a lot of uh, new people on Twitter, Instagram, all that. A lot, a lot of ratings and reviews coming through, which we help. Wherever you find the pod, if it's on Apple iTunes, especially, please take a moment, leave us a rating and review. It helps us out enormously. Also, just one simple task, man. Tag us in a tweet or an Instagram, whatever, with someone who you know who loves movies and might like to do this with us. Uh, also, submissions are open and ready to go uh, as the pod stuffs your stocking for December. We've already got two fans uh, whose movies will be covered. We still have two to three more spots available. Maybe even a double feature. Keep them coming. We'll get through all we Come can on, to end guys. the year with a bang. So that's it, guys. This month, though, back to business. The pod breaks bread. Uh, we just had a harrowing <laughs> dinner with the Hewitts and uh, Corpse Grandpa. But now it's time to get real scary. Yeah, <laughs> and no home shit. for the holidays. The Jody Foster joint. Uh, pure, pure tear from start to finish. If there was a movie that scares me more than any, this could be it. <laughs> Like, right up there with any Buried Alive movie, which I can't even watch because I'm so wildly claustrophobic. Yeah. Or any movie where people look out of really tall buildings and they stand too close to the window because I'm wildly afraid of heights. Those are two things that actually scare me in movies. I'll watch people get cut up all day, but that shit's scary. Uh, Jodie Foster made the most unintentionally terrifying movie I've ever seen with Home for the Holidays. Uh, Actually, for me, which I love on this show, I think it's only happened maybe once before. I had never even heard of this movie wow. until you mentioned it to me. And this with this like, cast, I'm actually pretty shocked. This is like one of my favorite, like, it's not an all-timer, I'd say, but it's definitely one of my favorite, like, <laughs> this movie is, A, an amazing ensemble cast, but also, like, yes. one of those truly terrifying, like, oh, my God, how badly do you not want to see your family on the holidays? Like, Yeah, well, as we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is an apt movie right and right, a lot totally. of our fans like horror so here we go uh alex why did you pick this movie as i called it uh the philistine august osage county <laughs> um because well one i don't think it's the philistine august osage county i think that's that's a tall <laughs> that's a pretty tall order uh august osage county is like a completely different thing for me i uh this movie i i saw it at a much younger age than i should have like probably like right around the time it actually got released on home video in 96 um but it always stuck with me because it reminded me so much of how much like at an early age i was very aware of like family drama and like my parents are pretty normal people like they don't cause your parents are like the most laid back nice parents of all time this strikes me as odd that you would bond to this my parents are very laid back but my dad's family are a bunch of insane people and um he and i (laughs) he and i have often bonded over like how 
eerily similar some of the events of this movie like we've never poured turkey on anyone or any shit like that but like the battles and fights and like infighting between siblings and shit is something that my dad's very familiar with so we've always bonded on that and that is just like like there's about an hour of this movie that i think might be some of the best like acting you've seen in movies in a long time like these people just feed off each other so well and just what an amazing ensemble cast to be this family. Like that's the thing that I love the most about it is just, they are feeding off of each other nonstop. And it's also one of Robert Downey Jr. I think it might've been one of the last ones he did before he actually had to go to like County. He was like, he's like openly admitted to like doing heroin while he was doing this movie. But like, he's so fucking good. The entirety <laughs> of the film. Like he's so good. And so natural. Too real. And too again, scary. Oh, no, absolutely. And then, of course, it's Sam Bancroft, Holly Hunter, Geraldine Chaplin. Like, Geraldine Chaplin, who turns in, like, the weirdest, most heartbreaking performance of the entire movie, honestly. Like, I don't even give a shit about Cynthia Stevens, Stevenson by the end, because, like... Here, I'm sorry, man. I can't hear a word you're saying. Oh, really? Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been able to hear you for, like, since you started talking. Really? Are you there? Are you there? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. No, you just kind of like froze and I could hear like. Ah, er, ah, er, ah, ah. Can you hear me now? So I kept trying to nod and be like, yes, yes. Yeah. Now I can hear you. You're pretty fucking pixelated, but I can hear you. Okay. Do you want to start over? I don't know if your internet's cycling or something, but yeah, you just, you froze on me for a minute. <laughs> okay. Do you want to, do you want to, you want to start from what I like about the movie? Why I picked it? You know, I might just bomb back in. I don't know. I I don't know when it froze or how bad it got. Let me see. Okay. Yeah, because we're doing videos, so it'll be hard to do that edit. But right. All right. Let me just bomb back in, and if it okay. keeps going, we'll just you know we'll stop it and do it tomorrow. Sure. Uh, right. Go for it. Also, yeah, I'm off the next or the next two days. I can do morning shows if you'd rather too. Okay. I forgot to mention that. Cool. Whatever works easiest for you. Um. Okay. Here we go again. Let's try one more time. All right. Hope the I mean, it could actually be my internet. I don't know if our shit's about to get knocked out with all this fucking snowstorm. But here we go. All right. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey. Joined, as always, by my friend who looks good in his mom's coat and co-host... Alex Dandino. I always love you in those long pink coats. Those long winter... That was back when coats looked like sleeping bags. I remember that from when <laughs> I was a kid. Uh, guys, thanks you for joining us, as always. Uh, we appreciate it. We've seen a new influx of people, man. I hope you guys are all digging it with us. Uh, we love you guys. Thank um, you. If you like the show, please take a second, leave us a rating and review wherever you find us, especially on Apple iTunes, man. Write the sentence or two. That helps us out a ton. And also, uh, those of you who are new to Twitter, Instagram, all those places, tag us in a post uh, with someone who you know who also loves movies, man. Let's grow this thing out and have a real viewing party vibe. All right. Oh, and also one more business note. Next month for December, we always do the pod stuffs your stocking. Uh, we let you guys pick any movie you want, and we'll cover it, man. We don't care what it is. Uh, we'll pick our four to six favorites, and we'll do them up, man. We already have two slots filled. Uh, so get us, you know, hit us on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Facebook, wherever you know us. Uh, send us your recommendations, and we'll try to get them on the show. 
Now, if you were with us last week, uh, you know that for the pod breaks bread theme, we had dinner at the Hewitt family residence. Uh, cuisine questionable. Atmosphere delightful. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, though, of all the movies we chose this month, this is the true horror film. <laughs> Jodie Foster not given the credit as a master of horror that she so rightfully <laughs> deserves. Uh, this is a fun one for me, too, because this might be the first time on the show. I can't remember. I've never even heard of this movie. It's a rare one, man. I'm surprised this yeah. is something you've never seen because you just watch everything like cast, I do. Yeah, see, I watch stuff. I'm on watching things all the time. I don't even remember ever seeing this pop up on a feed. I've never heard anyone talk about this film. We've been friends for like 10 years now. I've never heard this. Why do you think this is a great and worthy addition to The Pod Breaks Bread? Well, for one, it might be one of, I don't know, what do you think? Five movies centered around Thanksgiving in the history of movie making? <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, no, okay. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, uh, maybe it's just two. No, I mean, I think this uh, it's that. Um, I liked, I've liked this movie. I saw this at a young age. might have been like right after it came out on like, like I saw a lot of like, I don't know. I grew up in a, like I grew up with parents who let me watch like I remember listening to Mark Duplass on Mark Maron one time describe like seeing Kramer versus Kramer at a really young age. Like yeah. that's the kind of house I grew up in. Like my parents did not check what I watched and like if it was a horror movie because they never watched it. They're like, "Yeah, we don't do that." But my parents let me watch like The Godfather and shit like that at an early age, which is like still just as inappropriate and terrible. So like I'm just like damaged in that way of wanting to like watch movies that are just like horrible kitchen sink dramas like i could tell you like the fucking plot to mike lee when i was mike lee's movies when i was like 12 years old but home for the holidays <laughs> is an amazing ensemble cast and not only that they feed yeah. off each other so well there's an hour in this movie where they actually are at the dinner itself i don't think you're gonna find a better group of actors working together to make something awesome in a lot of respects. Like that's the thing that I love the most about this movie. Like there are some like things that really don't work for me, but, and this isn't like an all timer, but I do love this movie and I do love the act actors in it. So how would you like to break this down? Do you want to go in order of chapters? Or you just want to go character by character. I, I'd actually be interested to hear what your thoughts were initially, to be honest with you. I want to know your hot take. My I don't, you know what, this is the thing, I don't have a hot take on the film, I was, one of the things I noticed was just, wow, there's so many inappropriate behaviors <laughs> by today's standards that are yeah. happening that just like, wow, man, God, I, I remember those days, right, like, my family never had the, I'm so glad my sister's home, I'm just gonna take pictures of her tits, right, like, we didn't have that kind of family no, thing going on, but just like the casual homophobia, the, you know, guy who works at like a business job who wants to seem like he's way more important than he is. Right. Uh, you know, I had that uncle. So there's a lot of these. What I think I took away is just, there's almost no moment of joy and relief in this entire movie. Like of no. almost any movie I've seen, it's just fucking misery compounding with misery. Yeah. Even the daughter doesn't get a fuck. No, because like her boyfriend turns into this fucking criminal groper. I was like, who, who leaves this movie and is okay? You get this feeling. Oh, it's Robert Downey Jr. This movie is just kind of sad in a way. Robert he has Downey maybe Jr. the only one decent moment in the movie, yeah. but he's always going to have that giant hole in his life where his family, the people he grew up with, 
can't accept him for who he is. That's except for Holly. I mean, Hunter. It's just all bad. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean that. And, you know, maybe the one moment in the movie that I was like, what a fucking moment was the dad when he talks to Jeff on the phone and he's yeah. like, you know what? I think I mean this. He had to throw the qualifier in, right? Because well, that was yeah. a 90s I mean, thing, like, but don't be too like, gay with me. Well, but. yeah, that's, like, the great thing about this <laughs> but movie. But when he says, like he's this. like, I think I – but this is the line, right? He's like, I don't – I think I mean this. Congratulations. You're a good kid. You deserve better, right? Threw a dad joke in. And Robert Downey in that moment looking at his dad in this kind of moment of respite after his mom was pretty much like, eh, fuck you. Right. It was – that's the one moment. Other than that, I think every moment in this movie is misery. <laughs> totally. I mean, yes, everybody. I mean, I even like the side characters. Like uh, David uh, David Strathairn has this um, side character. He's like a cameo basically in the movie. He shows up for five minutes, and <laughs> even his character has like the world's worst luck. Where like he's describing his life, and he's like, "Well, let's see. I uh, fix uh, you know, I fix people's." Um, washers and dryers my parents died so now i'm just like alone and blah blah blah. i'm like good god like not only that but then robert downey jr sneaks into the kitchen to snicker at this man's yeah, life to like make fun of him and do that like, and but this is what i mean this movie that's a great scene right because here's what this movie does is it it just shows how we are all just these jagged icebergs cold and alone right and occasionally the currents smash us together so we can just be a little more broken, right? Well, yeah. Because the mom thinks, oh, I'll fix my broken daughter by putting her with this guy that she kind of knew from forever ago. Right. So she's like, I don't want to be a part of this. She's looking kind of down on him. He's sitting here like, yeah, everything in my life fucking sucks. Uh, I'm working on Thanksgiving. Everyone's dead. Robert Downey Jr. is the kind of guy who would laugh at that fucking story. Right. And we, the audience, are put in this this position that the movie constantly puts us in, which is, uh, who am I bonding with here, right? You know who my friend is on the couch through this whole movie? It's just fucking misery. <laughs> it's just me and Kathy Bates watching this whole movie being like, hey, I guess I've had that moment. Wow, I mean, what like, the fuck? Everyone has this, like, <laughs> it's interesting because everyone's coming to the dinner being so just like, everyone's broken coming into dinner, like, Holly Hunter's character begins the movie with getting fired, trying to save her job by making out with her old guy boss, and then also, Dude, by the way, traveling with a cold. <laughs> let's, let's pause on that moment. So she's in this almost euphoric state, right? Like, I, I was the painter today. Right, yeah. We learn later that she was a painter and quit. Now she's a restorer, right? So it's almost, I told you this, there was a point when I was a script reader you're like, I've never felt further away from my dream than kind of doing the entry-level job to my dream. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, God, I just read bad scripts, and now I hate the whole art of script writing. Uh, that's kind of what Holly Hunter's job is, right? right? Just restoring other people's work. But she hits this euphoric moment. The, the just lashing out to kiss the... Has she done that before? Did they fuck before? No. And then there's this weird, like, maybe he bites her in alarm. Oh, so you yeah. don't know if... If it had just been less awkward, would they have fucked and she could have saved her job? Probably. I mean, I it's interesting because I've always, like, it's the first viewing I've watched where I've actually thought that maybe she was just doing it as, like, some weird stress reaction. I've always assumed it was to actually save her job. Like, she was fully intending to fuck that guy. So, not only that, though, she I then, think she was in a weird way. She then goes to the airport with a cold 
And then in the, right before she gets out of the car, her daughter is played by Claire Danes. Goes, by the way, I'm going to fuck my boyfriend this weekend while you guys are while you're at home with your parents, having absolutely the worst time. <laughs> like the compound. Yeah, I respect you enough to tell you I'm about to get that dirt. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> thanks, daughter. Yeah. Preach. Like, it's literally like, and then the door closes and she's off on the plane. Like, it's fucking insanity. Um, she lands. But see, this is an important thing though, right? Because she loses the coat. So what this does, I think what's really cool about this intro is it, it serves dual purpose, right? It almost takes away everything that seemingly is good in her life, right? right? Like loving relationship with her daughter, you know, respectful. They can talk to each other. She's not hiding things. Cool job, cool town, right? Immediately puts her in this transport to hell, right? To, next to a, an airline oh talker. Oh, my God. Not right? only airline Or as I talker. call her. Or as I call her, mom. Not only uh, that's my mom. <laughs> not only air, not only not only airplane talker, but also like airplane packed my own food eater. Oh god, yeah, like salt like, and peppering her skinless and chicken, her fucking chicken. Like that is like that might be some of the best like busy work I've ever seen an actor do while annoying the shit out of another actor. Like that's some. But this like, is what I mean, right? Like most of these movies that happen in this space. The character is leaving, like, right, like, a good one is, uh, what was it, Just Friends. Ryan Reynolds was the overweight guy, comes back, now he's like a ripped executive. Right. He has a great life, he thinks, and then travels back to his old life. And, of course, it's not that bad. This movie does the opposite. It's like, so we fucking ruined your great life. Now you're going back into this place that you fucking despise. Kind of, though. I actually think one of the things about this movie that I did enjoy, uh, I like how the house while constantly filled with strife and terrible drama is also it's it's funny how much of a safe haven it is for the characters mm -hmm. how instantly comfortable and at ease they feel in this fucking thunderdome this suburban thunderdome right it's it's really wild holly hunter feels at home in this place yeah like in a way she's comfortable to be there but hates everything about it it's it's strange like there's even a moment when she's talking to her dad like, you wouldn't really sell the house. Right. It's like, yes, you should want them to sell the house and go to Florida so these things are done. Right. I mean, like. But it's it is a it's it's this place where we spend our whole lives with these fucking people we can't choose and often we'll never get along with. And we come back once to three times a year to put ourselves through these fucking flagellations. Right. Because that's just what we do. And there's I think that's a lot of what the movie is, too. Right. Both in the home and the characters is just accumulated traumas. And these people just know you too well. Yeah. You can't hide it from them. There's right. no hiding behind the facade of a job in a town. Right. You know, she gets back and immediately is put in her mom's coat and shares a look with another fucking Gordon Gecko looking guy who's like, fuck parents, Thanksgiving. Well, that's like. It's it's weird. Well, like, that's but I dig that part. I, that's the thing I love the most about, like, it's so innocuous, but that coat symbolizes so much about, like. It symbolizes so much of the things she's tried to escape her entire life. And it's pretty in it's like fascinating because when you meet uh, Cynthia Stevenson's character, Joanne, the other sister who stayed and like been there. And like, I have my, like I have, I've had aunts who like, you know, my, my dad has a sister who's like that. It's just, she stayed because like she determined that it's her responsibility and all this shit. And, Every single one of her siblings goes, that's nonsense. That's total bullshit. You're just making that up so you don't have to actually, like, be responsible for anything. Like, right. it's amazing to me, though, that, like, like, Claudia is the one who's wearing the mom coat. 
she doesn't have that coat. Like she absolutely should be the prototype leading into the next version of this. And she's still trying to avoid it herself. It's absolutely fascinating. It's a really small little visual cue, but like Claudia wearing that coat is like you said, it is this sort of like armor almost against the rest of what's going on because like she has no choice. She doesn't have, she doesn't have a choice. She has to do this. She has to be in this situation where she has to wear a shitty coat in her shitty little town where she doesn't feel like being. And then like she runs into uh God, it's um, the prom queen. Yeah. She <laughs> runs into the prom queen, which fucking I up. love that scene too, because she has to address the coat. Yeah. While the prom queen is wearing an equally horrible coat, yeah, but like, equal from a different look. Right. Yeah. All these like, kinds she's of coming foxes. back trying to be like, look, I'm still on that float. Right. It's like, no, you peaked in high school. Now you wear dead things and, you know what? Your looks are caving in. You're spray tanning. I think that's the there's an inevitability to this, right? Mm-hmm. That that happens. And, you know, Holly Hunter talks about it with her sister. But the scene that I think most epitomized the movie to me, because there's a weird thing in the house, too, right? About again, I talked about how everyone's so comfortable, but you can't hide the traumas. This house is so strange and foreign to me because no one closes doors or they don't appreciate the closed door rule. Right. You know, I mean, obviously your brother comes in and is like, I'm here. I'm just going to fucking take pictures of my sister's tits. I know he's gay, but that's still not cool. And then he shows him around to his buddies. Yeah. Like he's fucking hawking her at a meat market. It's what just, the fuck? it's a very strange, like, again, the dynamic. Right. There is but very weird. this is the point I'm making, right? That, you're in a place where you can't hide. And there's a scene when her mother, for some inexplicable reason, decides to change in front of Holly Hunter. And she's just got the covers up to her face, watching her mother change and kind of look at her own body with sadness as she talks about how her mother is slipping right, and losing it. And so there's this three-generation moment where they're all fucking slipping. They all feel like they're at the end and slipping, even though there's someone else ahead of them that's further down that road. Right. And I think that's a really cool scene, man. It, It's this inevitability. You know, we all, whether we want to or not, will become our parents, if not in style and behavior. Right. Uh, you know, eventually we'll just be that old person that someone's sick of or thinks isn't cool. Someday my kids will come back and be like, Dad, your movie taste is impeccable. You're the best dungeon master ever. God, those abs. But then they'll also be like, but I'm also sick of you because I lived in a house with you for 20 years. Right. But I mean, like that. It's inescap- the, the inescapableness of this movie. Yeah. I think it's really, it's it's pretty impressive that Jodie Foster was able to do this. And I don't know if this is her directorial debut, that, that, but I'm assuming early. This is her second movie that she directed. Yeah. And this movie reeks of directed by actor. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. They never cut. They never add like a shot or do anything I mean, with the again, camera like, that is interesting. It's all just let these actors yeah. take you. Places. Well, again, like I would, you know, using your analogy of like August Osage County, like August Osage County is written by Tracy Letts, who's like one of the great like mm-hmm. actors, writers uh, for brought for like theater and film. Yeah. And like this is, again, a great example of like a script that just breathes with the ability like. You bring in yeah. a group of quality actors like this. Like, again, you have Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., Anne Bancroft, Charles Durning, uh, Geraldine Chaplin, all these guys who have been in the business or have just, like, made their mark. And, I mean, even, like, Robert Downey Jr., this is 95. Like, he's still pro- relatively young. Like, he's nowhere near what we know him as now. Like, this is still in his heyday of, like, hell racing. Right. 
Like this is like what well, this is, and this is the thing because actors, and especially like from plays, plays are a medium that thrive on the actors' performances. Right. They're really what you have. They are the front and center. All a lot of movies, actors can descend into prop level. Right. Like we talked about Chainsaw Massacre. I think Gunnar Hansen brings a lot to Leatherface. Right. But almost anyone else in that movie could have been replaced and just been anyone, right? right? Whereas something like you can't make August Osage County with a really untalented no name. Right. And you can't make this movie that way because you have to have those scenes where every actor is capable of holding their own and doing their separate journeys. It's just one of those. I, I appreciate a film that is still like this, right? Like I've always thought the the play on film is an interesting journey that I like to take sometimes. Well, I'm not sure you're going to find a better exemplary experience of like actors culminating in like what feels like real life than that dinner. Like when everyone starts eating after praying and all that stuff, like the cadence and the pace of the meal the plates being passed, all that stuff, like all of it feels very real. And even the way it's shot, which is, again, you're right, not like exceptional or anything like that. It's yeah. the, the edit, though, is so like it's so concise and well, so specific. I think, I think the point of it. Yeah. Not to like take a shot like, oh, they suck at cinematography. I think the exact point is you don't want because anytime you make a cut, your mind's eye is distracted. Right. It's an inevitable feature of the film experience. Right. You buy your very nature somewhere subconsciously. Your your brain is doing something rather than being in the moment. And I think the whole premise of the movie is to take as much away as possible and turn you into wallpaper. Totally. You know, you're not supposed to be like, here, I'm going to show you my style. Well, the one I always, you know, some directors, you're like, I'm not an actor. I'm here for style. Right. Well, like the one not I always one. note is it's weird because it's a very again, it's a really small thing, but it's always um, Holly Hunter sneezes cut away cut to gutenberg saying god bless you like yeah that's the no, kind he of just st- says bless you he doesn't even say god it's that fucking savage but it's one of those things where like it's so <laughs> unnecessary but it also fits so well into the pacing of the entire movie yeah like, it has to because again like that I, that move that moment makes me uncomfortable because we have that debate every year at the holidays which is uh you know i'm just not a bless you guy yeah. Like if someone's actually sick, I'm like, hey, go home. Get away from me. What are you doing? Like, don't just keep sitting by me sneezing. Right. And I'm not going to say, uh, bearded man in the sky, bless thee. Like, that's stupid. Well, that's just like go the away thing, from like, me if you're sick. They say grace. But on, some relatives always like, oh, we don't say bless you anymore. Why do you think America is where it is? You know well, I mean? yeah, like, We're like, oh, happy holidays. We Christmas say grace. Is under assault, they say grace. Yeah. And oh. then, like,. <laughs> And Bancroft. I like comes the grace scene too because Glad Gladys fucks it up, and it's not Christian enough. We have this fight every year too, which is, are we saying grace? I'm like, I'm not, and I just intentionally stare at my relatives, like making it as weird as possible. So hopefully, I don't have to do these fucking gestures oh, anymore. Dude, Andrea's dad makes me say grace every year, and I'm like, is this because I was? He makes raised- you say it. Yeah, I'm like, is this because you think is this because you think I'm still Catholic? Like, it's one of those things where I was like, I no, this is a this is an animal dominance technique. Like, I can literally just say the Lord's prayer, and they're like, that was lovely. I'm like, I say it every year. I don't see the point. (laughs) You're like, well, I've rehearsed it 20 times now, so yeah. So like, but (laughs) but I love like they try to talk about politics and Anne Bancroft's like no politics during Thanksgiving. I'm like, I don't know who invented that rule. I wish we had that everywhere. 
But then I think everyone's praying for that now. <laughs> but then the best is like Charles Durning starts in on Steve Gutenberg, like being like, "You're a banker, you piece of shit. What do you want my money now?" Like trying to like give him a bunch of shit. I fucking love it. It no, he says the human cholesterol thing. Yo, yeah, no, no, no. Wait, by the way, we're skipping just like the biggest moment of dinner. Uh, when Aunt Gladys is like, yeah, one time I kissed your dad <laughs> oh, and I yeah. still masturbate to him. And God, I wish it was me instead of my sa- the saddest, lonely woman thing. Right. As she's watched her. Seems like a nice enough sister, a good aunt. Yeah. But just gets a little fucking liquored up and pines over her brother-in-law. Dude. Who is doing nothing to fucking move no. the conversation away. Almost sitting there reveling. Oh, he loves Like it. Conan at the end of the movie on his fucking throne of broken battered enemies 100 percent. it's bad like and then she just fucking plants a kiss on him at the end of dinner when they're in the fucking emotion closet <laughs> and just that never gets brought up again geraldine we just sail right the fuck past that geraldine chaplin is the fucking all-star of this movie like every time you just need a gut punch of some sort of like oh that is just so tragic reality there it is like no one else really has that like the stuff between Tommy and Joanne is so like, you know, that's what siblings do to each other. Like, I, I like there's obviously a thing way over the line at some point, yeah. but you know, that's like siblings pick on each other. That's part of life. Geraldine Chaplin has probably one of the most monumental performances as someone who's literally losing her mind. And she's grabbing onto the last vestiges of things that made her happy. Cause she clearly has lived like, the saddest life. The 500 about. plants, giving the lamps away. Yeah. Th- these are all things that we've seen. The weird thing is, she's probably the happiest person in the film. No, totally. No, I was going to say, like, when we were talking earlier about, like, who gets out of this the way they want, oh, it's Geraldine Chaplin. Like, she gets a kiss. Yeah. She gets to go home I mean, afterwards. You can easily say Robert Downey Jr., but he will always have that fact that his own fucking mother, yeah. when he's like, mom, because there's this line that's devastating oh, when they so talk good. about the the marriage right and he's just like you know she's like you know i can't change and he goes trust me mom neither can i which is just a devastating line for a gay son to have to who's kind of just been outed like that's another thing i'm like did he just get fucking dragged out of the closet you know like on public display at thanksgiving yeah by his bitch ass sister and they that devastating line he's like trust me neither can i like you know this is who i am and his mom says uh even as a child you always kept us away yeah. or you, didn't want to even be as a little us. boy you didn't want us too close and you're like what the fuck so that's just one of those things like he's always going to carry the scars of this yeah. right it's fucking brute i mean the the him being outed in general because actually i found robert downey jr pretty annoying in this movie to be honest like he's like oh i'm the funniest guy of all time it's like no you're not it's pretty like in a way it's a perfect acting performance because no, we all know that guy and they're never as funny as they think they are. Right. Uh, and they are wildly annoying, right? Uh, but you also don't want to be a Gutenberg. Never be a Goot. The Goots is bad. So a medium. But I, I found Robert Downey Jr. Like the thing in the car, like, oh, drive fast. Oh, pull back. Oh. You know, I was fucking sick of his shit. So sick of Robert Downey Jr. shit. But he's so charming. It's the thing that he's always had is he's so fucking devastatingly charming. That when he then starts to do his emotional journey, right, um, it's just, it's brutal. And it you want so much to reach through and give him the hug, right? So he gets outed in front of everyone. 
And the scene that just cut me to the core besides his mom was when uh, his sister's like, you fucking pervert. Yeah. Like, I have friends in Boston. You know, just, of course, again, because people like her who stay home, you know, and they know they're not doing anything, but they take on the parents because I have to. It gives them a shield. Yeah. They also are so worried about how people view them that instead of being happy for her brother who found someone to be with Mm -hmm. amongst this tragedy-riddled world, she just fucking, you know, how do you think that – reflects on me and then the dad just sitting there shocked putting it together did you wear a dress like that's all he can think about is if his son wore the dress yeah and really he doesn't get the nice like i accept you moment until robert downey admits he doesn't wear the dress it's it's fucking brutal and you get why because when he first shows up right and he starts jumping on their car and shit you're like oh yeah i would fucking knock him out i'd fucking light him up that was my brother that's my brother-in-law. You're like, yeah, we're going to fucking fist fight now. Like, fuck you. I hate your guts anyways. <laughs> we're going to fist fight. I can't believe it took him that long. But you understand why he's so impishly excited to go at her. Because she's fuck- She's just a bad person. Joanne is an irredeemable piece of shit in this film. Totally. But like. And her kids are fucking pieces of shit. Right. So you know she's extra bad. Everybody sucks. Everybody she makes me fucking furious. Yeah. yeah, she's like irredeemably terrible. Like Steve Gutenberg's just trying to like get through the day. It seems because he clearly knows he made a huge mistake well, in marrying this insane woman who like has absolutely Steve no. Steve Gutenberg's the guy who yeah he well he's like the I went to college because I'm a captain of industry I'm gonna be a CEO and you just you land as a banker and right. so he'll never be what he wants to be so he thinks by being extra serious and hard. You know, someday he'll have that 50K just sitting in his savings account, and that's what he'll jerk off to when fucking Jones stops fucking him. Right. That's that's the guy, right? Like, I, I live in a neighborhood surrounded by those guys, right? There's nothing wrong with being that guy. You know, that's fine. Uh, some people just aren't here to, you know, live life. They're just, like, waiting it out with the savings account until they die. Right. So Gutenberg is not really a bad guy. No. He's just he's that just guy. He's just that guy. Like... And his wife is that wife who's like, I just want to have the house. And they're the people now that would have the all the Facebook shit. Like, look at how good we are. Yeah. Our life's great. When on the inside, they just don't really care about each other that much. So, you know, fuck them. They're not even really worth talking about in this movie, which bothers, except for the damage they inflict on others. Right. Again, like. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about something weird. I want to get to a weird one before we finish off all these journeys. What do you got? Two weird things that. The mom just wearing a wig. That fucking threw me for a fucking loop. Oh, yeah. The, when she came out with the gray hair, I was like, what the that's fuck? That's like an old lady thing. But right? I remember that was a thing old ladies did back then, but I forgot. But two, Dylan McDermott. Why is he in this movie? And what yeah. the fuck were they thinking with that backstory? You know. So he's a business partner that Robert Downey Jr. seemingly wants to fuck. But when he can't fuck because he has a husband he actually loves, right? It's almost this red herring in the movie. Uh, we find out that he's just been sharing his sister's tit pictures with Dylan McDermott, who's like, you know what? I will come with you to Thanksgiving as she's having an emotional breakdown. Because, you know, Thanksgiving dinner is when her life's falling apart. It's the perfect time to try to get some ass. Right. And then proceeds to just try to get ass. <laughs> and then fucking, I, I don't understand him in this movie at it, all. It's a weird, like... I've always thought that too. Like I've had, I've always like, I, I like, I like up until the end of dinner and like the stuff between, um, the stuff between, um, 
his sister, like the sisters in the middle, like when they she takes over the uh, leftovers and stuff like that. That's that's a nice yeah. like. Um, it that's feels a- it feels more of a serial killer marking his prey than a meat cute. Yeah, honestly, like if I'm being honest. Well, no, you're right. Like I really don't. I've never understood the Dylan McDermott stuff. Like I feel like it's just in there because it's the 90s so let's throw in some romance for the hell of it like yeah well at one point it feels like they're talking about who's gonna seal the deal with him first yeah and i was like does it only exist just to throw us off the trail that he's happily married instead of having broken up with his longtime boyfriend yeah i don't really understand like again like they try to do that like they try to keep that going at the very at the very top and then eventually like in the middle of dinner when it's revealed what's going on i mean like that's like then you're just like, okay, I understand that. Like, but past again, the last scene in this movie is great. Like that scene where um, the flashback of um, them on the tarmac is beautiful, but it all should end in that the side TV room with Charles Durning and Holly Hunter talking about stuff. Like that should have been a much longer scene rather than punctuated by this like weird ill-fated like we're gonna fuck in my parents house and then we don't because tommy's right there and so on. Like, yeah she's like hey i don't want to get fucked in my childhood bed yeah, there's a bad and then there's this line. weird stuff where he's like and he has a good line when he's yelling at the kid about the coffee and he's like you think there's just a million women out good women out there waiting to make you happy there's yeah. not i need the coffee and it's like i get it you want to put this girl's head in your garden staring <laughs> at the window of the mom who betrayed you yes. but enough I, it just didn't add up to me. I, it was such a weird because I think that's the other problem too. Is right as the movie, I wasn't really digging it that much, and then it hits that dinner, and you're it's such a captivating bit of the film that then kind of as the dinner, everyone starts to dissipate. Yeah, you know they have the oh we're gonna fight in the yard. The dad's spraying them. They run away. You're like all right, it peters out. That's fine. And yeah, I'm just not as interested. And again, like you, I, I thought the final image of, like, they actually showed Joanne and Gutenberg happy. Sure. They showed everyone's happiest moment. I was like, that's a really lovely way. Because what the dad said, there's this moment that I love in the film, too. After fucking creepy Dylan McDermott seems to leave, right, to go find his next woman that looks exactly like Holly Hunter to sniff the panties of after he murdered her. <laughs> right. Uh, there's this moment of the dad who's just down in the basement. He's watching the movies, right? Because I love that link, too, about him with the video camera. Yeah. And uh, the son with, you know, Robert Downey with the Polaroid. There's a lot of those crossovers, too, about people and their parents having similar visual behaviors on on the movie I like. But him just watching it, right? And he says, they say something about, oh, look at those little shitheads, whatever. And he talks about his favorite memory was that day at the tarmac and just like, you were fearless, you know. And he talks about it in such detail. And it, it made me stop and have pause where I was like, man, I just I don't know if any memory in my life is that important to me yet. Right. right. Like I've had big days in my life and I think it the movie made me stop and think like, fuck, like those memories are already getting hazy. So then you try to remember and you're like remythologizing it. Right. And it's a weird thing we do. And Holly Hunter says something about, you know, oh, that doesn't matter that much. And the dad has to me the line of the movie. And he's like, I wish I had it all on tape. You know, because he just he's this guy who and he's he's probably the happiest character, actually. Now that I'm thinking because this is very affable, you know, eating pie, dancing around the house, playing piano. Right. Um, You know, but there is a sadness to him just sitting in that basement alone watching the good old days. Right. 
you know, feeling a little bit useless now that he's retired. It's kind of like what I told you with time traveling. Totally. Uh, which is, it's it's not something that works for people that are happy, only sad. So I think the movie hammers at home really well at the end when you see everyone begin to uh, go back. Because they do this great line where it's like, fuck, I can't believe we have to do this again at Christmas. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the summation of the movie, though. Like, that line in and of itself is so relative because like there's never a time where we like families are close because they're close like there's never a time where these this family's not going to see each other at holidays so like they're just going to have to tolerate one another it does kind of honestly it felt like a final holiday oh really i've I've always felt like like like, it needs time yeah i've always like joanne pretty much told her sister like we're never gonna get together holidays we don't have to like each other we're family right I never knew if they were going to come back. Like, it'd be a couple years again. Like, maybe one of those every five to ten years. Joanne and Gutenberg will be back with just the parents. Totally. Uh, I did have to ask you a weird thing. What was McDermott's plan on that plane? Was he pretty much like, hey, you can just, like, we'll fuck in the bathroom, and then when the plane rides over, at least we'll have those two hours and not questions? I guess. I've never. Was that his plan? Again, I've never understood any of the Dylan McDermott stuff in this movie. Like, it's never made sense to me. Ever. (laughs) Like, it makes no sense. Like, I always thought he was like, well, I don't have a job. I guess we'll just go to Chicago. I'm like, are you just going to shack up with her already? That's weird. Like, I don't get it. No, he brought the lamp, too, so he could see how much of Holly Hunter he had to cut off to make the new shade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I think that to sum this movie up, right, just watching actors in a movie directed by a really good actor – and just given room to just act, right? So much of movies is, you know, show me, don't tell me. Let's really fucking focus on how the camera's doing the work, you know, forcing your mind's eye through this journey. I like that, you know, just sitting in this fucking, it's a little traumatic for me. Right? It's a little completely downtrodden, a little bit hopeless. Sure. And the movie's like, well, look, at the end, you'll be watching a videotape and you'll have three scenes of like your best life. It's pretty rough, but. It's just watching these people act is so fucking fun. Yeah, it's that's what it really was a treat in that. That's what it is. It's always nice when I get to get you to watch something that you've never seen. It's always fun. Yeah. And then Dylan McDermott goes right into Ghost House where he fills the basement with Holly Hunter lookalikes. American (laughs) Horror Story season one. Loved it. That's it, guys, uh, for home for the holidays. I hope your guys holidays go better. Uh, The next time we meet, we will be. Uh, trying to survive it's a disaster one of my all-time favorite so indie good. movies i feel like it kind of came and went and like so many others very swept kind of got though. washed away and yeah it's it's really fucking good guys it's actually on hulu i believe so go check it out get ready for the show leave us a rating and review share the show with your friends and uh send us your ideas for movies you'd like to see in december Let it doesn't matter theme stocking, anything friends <laughs> we want to give you guys some little treats in your uh chimney socks So that's it for the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Don't take pictures of your siblings naked without their consent. Yeah, don't get on a plane with a stranger either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why Robert Downey Jr. went to jail in the 90s, right? Was that exact behavior?